and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. What's going on, Anthony? Heat basketball happened last I know, it's crazy. Yeah. How are you, David? Pretty good. A little later on, we're going to be joined by Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press. He has been inside the bubble for a couple weeks now, and he finally got his freedom uh, over the weekend, able to roam around with it was a you know, weird day yesterday, sitting around and like at 2 o'clock or whatever, I was like, wait a second, there's basketball on. Yeah, it's, I, I think right, like before the game, I'm like, let me look at the like takeaways from March to see how I formatted this. Like I almost forgot <laughs> yeah. like, how we did it. Like it's been, it's been what, four, yeah, over four months, longer than an off season. And even in an off season, you have summer league games to cover. Like this is four months, a long time to go without covering a game. Oh yeah, I felt exactly the same. I covered our uh, the Marlins preseason game on Tuesday remotely, um, obviously, and you know we ha- we typically you know for preseason games with baseball we don't do you know we don't do takeaways for the Marlins and we don't do g- really game stories during preseason. I was like, how do we like mention the game in these stories again? Like we usually did we did like bullets, but I, I did not remember at all how we were formatting those in the spring. Um, Four months ago, so I went through the exact same thing there. But um, yeah, I mean, even before the Heat game, it was just like there was basketball on on NBA TV like all day. It was like kind of wild. Like usually, I just have my TV in the background, like kind of on mute with like Sports Center on or, or maybe a soccer game. And it was like something I really care about. It was like you know they were preseason games, but still like it was something I that was catching my eye throughout the day. It wasn't a replay of games. Yeah, which is good. like uh, I mean. Uh, you know, obviously those are fun, but it was nice to get some live sport, like live basketball. Um, I know the, the basketball tournament, tournament, I guess, started a few weeks ago, so that was kind of the start of it. Yeah, but I was into that. NBA basketball, like, it's, it's, yeah, it's awesome. I'm happy. Yeah. Um, Heat obviously uh, tipped off their preseason, is that what we're calling it? Preseason exhibitions? Scrimmage. Uh, scrimmage. Yeah. T- kicked off their scrimmages, set of scrimmages last night. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday morning. They kicked off last night uh, with a 104-98 win against the Kings. Um, Ten-minute quarter, so 104 points, pretty good. Um, yeah. Offense was rolling again, and um, it's kind of interesting. I wanted to talk about this because the offense looked so good last night. Because um, you know, and even obviously without Bam and none, and and obviously it's a scrimmage. Like who cares? But as I was, you know, the last four months has been a lot of time, like, absorbing. I feel like I kind of know what the national perception is of most teams that are in Disney at this point, right? Because we've had these four months, really, I guess two months, knowing what the teams are going to be there. Um, yeah, I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts. Obviously, I listen to a lot of, uh, you know, I read a lot of NBA coverage. And the interesting thing I've, like, kind of been hearing with, like, national people talking about the Heat is, like, they don't really buy the offense. You know, part of it is probably because, you know, their, their top two players are Jimmy and Bam, and, and those guys are kind of known for their defensive ability. Part of it is, like, do they, you know, can you really trust Duncan Robinson, who's never, you know, played in the playoffs and is kind of this unbelievable story? Um, can you really trust Kendrick Nunn and other guys? Like, an unbelievable story who's never been in the playoffs. Um and then, yeah, so the national perception is kind of totally flipped from, like, the way we talked about the Heat all season, where, you know, we spent so much time this year talking about how the defense was disappointing. 
um, and how the offense was such a surprise. And I, I've been kind of surprised to hear like the national perception is basically, is this offense good enough to win in the playoffs? And at least last night, I mean, you know, again, it's a scrimmage. It's the first game in Disney World. It's, you know, they still got, what, 10 plus games, including scrimmages until the actual postseason begins. Teams will, you know, be game planning specifically for Duncan, obviously, at that point. But I don't know. I mean, the offense looked pretty good to me. Yeah, I, I think I think I know. I don't. I, I'm. I think I don't know for sure, but I think I know exactly what you're talking about as far as the podcast. Yeah, Zach Lowe's podcast. Uh, that was kind of the one I was thinking specifically yeah. about. But yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of national writers that seem to feel like the Heat's offense is not um, yeah. the strong point, which is just. Totally against the way we've talked about them all year. To be honest, I was I was jogging around my neighborhood and I was listening to that Zach Lowe podcast a few days ago. I think it's like the latest Lowe podcast that's out. And I was when I heard that comment, I was kind of surprised, especially coming from Zach Lowe, who obviously is amazing at what he does. Yeah. And he's really into the numbers of the game. Um, when he said, you know, I just don't know if the Heat have enough. I think his words were, they don't have enough offensive upside to maybe get past the Bucks, Like, they, they gave the Heat credit. Like, they're like they're a team that maybe could get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're a team I don't think the Bucks want to face. But he's like, I don't know if they have enough offensive upside uh, to get past the Bucks. And I was a little bit surprised. And I get what he means, only because, like you said, there's guys on the roster that haven't proven they could do it in the playoffs before. But I don't necessarily think that you should base kind of – you should limit a team because they haven't done it before, right? Like, the yeah. Warriors never won a title until they did it. Like – it's it's kind of uh, I don't know it's it's almost like a fallacy to kind of base a an opinion on that but but what I will say is this offense has been top ten for most of the season yeah and and it's it's proven that I mean they just fit well together like yeah there's not a thirty points there's not a James Harden on the roster there's not a guy who can just score points you know I you know consistently off isolation like Jimmy can do that somewhat. But he's not, you know, the 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 prolific scorer of like a, you know, like I said, James Harden yeah. or a Damian Lillard. So th- it's just it's the it's the sum of the parts that really make it work. And you saw it last night. Like they have a lot of shooting. Duncan Robinson. I mean, if he's not the, I, I know I'm not counting Steph Curry. He's, he's he's injured and he's not playing right now. But if Duncan Robinson isn't the best shooter in the league, like right now, at least got, uh, of the teams that are in Disney, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's definitely top two or top three, but I would say he's the best. Yeah, I mean, it's either him or, like, George Hill, right, who shot basically 50% yeah, like, in the regular season. And uh, yeah, they, But on fewer attempts. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, true, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I just think they fit well together. They, they, I mean, you saw a ball movement last night. Like, for, for a four-month layoff to come out and have that type of ball movement across the board, like, even in the bench, the bench lineup that was out there, like, Andre Goudala and Tyler Hero moving the ball. I think there was one possession – uh, it was like four or five passes that led to a an and one um, layup, um, and it was a bench group that was out there. Like they just, their offense is very sharp. Um, and of anything, I th- I don't think the offense is the issue. I think, like you said, it's the defense where they've just been mediocre pretty much all season long. Um, and they're not, you know, you don't, you know, I know it's cliche, but you don't win in the playoffs with mediocre defense. Like yeah. if you look at the history of past champions or, or teams that have played well in the playoffs like they're they have top 10 defenses uh usually so that's the one thing i'm worried about is their defense uh good enough to win in the playoffs but i think their offense definitely is if everyone is healthy 
They have the shooting. They have Jimmy who can get to the line pretty much at will. They mm-hmm. have great passers at all positions. I mean, you have Bam Adebayo and Kelly Olynyk who can make high, great high-low passes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the biggest thing I feel like we wound up talking about throughout the regular season was was just when you're – that starting lineup they have out there, it's basically – you know, four good passers plus Duncan Robinson. Uh, you know, you can debate whether Kendrick Nunn's a great passer, but, you know, four guys who are creators and then Duncan Robinson. Yeah, and and you have really have, I mean, if, I, I guess you don't count Jimmy, but you have guys who could sh- spread the floor mm-hmm. and then Bam and Jimmy who get to live in the paint, yeah. you know? So it just, it just fits. Again, there's not, a, there's not a, you know, prolific scorer on the roster. There's not a... You know, guy, you know, score 35, 40 points a game, but they're just five guys that just fit well together. And even the bench guys, like the combination spoken throughout there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting lineups that, that he could use. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we should probably say uh, the Heat probably do not have enough offense to get past the Bucks because I don't think anyone yes. in the East has, like, the, enough sure. of a combination of anything to get past the Bucks. But, but when they lose, you know, when they probably lose in the playoffs to the Bucks or, or to someone – before that, I don't know if it'll be because the offense fails. Unless I, the other, the other reason I could see people being questioning whether the Heat have the offense is because Eric Spolstra in the regular season tended to go defense first in the closing lineups. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain right now of like what the yeah, but I remember like late in the year, weren't they going with, um, you know, like. Crowder and Iguodala on the court, yeah, right? Yeah, they were yeah. they were favoring the defensive guys, um, and obviously that was not a good offensive lineup. And obviously they were still learning it themselves. You know, the idea behind that was basically the chance to take the next step for the Heat and be maybe a real Finals contender was to get that lineup um, to be you know good enough on offense that their defensive abilities. Um, you know, make that the go-to closing lineup. But um, at least the last time we saw that lineup all playing together, what was that? I guess it was Jimmy, Bam, um, Iguodala, Crowder, and was it Dragic as the point guard in that lineup? I don't remember for sure. But it was. I feel like it was either Dragic or, or none was kind of the de facto point guard in the lineup. Um, that was not a particularly good lineup, particularly uh, on the offensive end. Um, but who knows? I mean... We, we again we haven't seen this team in a long time and and maybe the layoff helped them somehow. I mean that's I, I wrote out a rundown before we start here and one thing that was kind of interesting to me was Andre Guadal looked pretty good last night. Um, he did. And obviously you know he had his moments in in his whatever eight games he played with the Heat or something like that in the regular season. Um, but you know he. Obviously did not play a lot in the regular season. He, he was just straight up sitting out in Memphis. He was sitting at home in uh, California working out. Um, I would think he basically thought he was going to wind up somewhere at the trade deadline, but obviously he didn't know for sure that he was going to wind up on a team like the Heat um, in the thick of you know the playoff race. Um, and you know he was definitely like a little rusty. You know, you can wonder how much of it is just old age and, and as he passed his prime. But, then, you know, there was obviously just naturally, I think we assume, some rust in that those first couple of weeks he played in Miami. Um, the last four months, he's, like, basically known what his job was going to be. And he's been able to, I, I'm sure, gear up for uh, the postseason in a way that just there was no way he could have done when he was um, 
technically with Memphis and had no idea where he was going to wind up uh, at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this has been super beneficial for him. Um, and Eric Spolscher has talked about it over the past few days, actually. He was asked about this. Um, he's had basically had like a training camp, like a mini training camp with the Heat. Yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, for a guy that, again, like you said, he hadn't played all season. He gets traded to the Heat kind of unexpectedly. I don't even think he expect. like you said, I don't even think he expected yeah. I'm that. sure he thought he was going to get traded somewhere, right. but obviously you don't know where he, where he was going. But I think that he entered the picture kind of late. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, you didn't hear people saying, like, oh, Andre Godal to the Heat, like, for months. You know, you yeah. heard the Lakers, you heard the Clippers, you heard even Philadelphia, like, but you didn't hear the Heat. Yeah. Um, for him to get this time to get his body right and, you know, to, to know that, okay, I'm going to be playing in the playoffs here and I have to get my body prepared for that and have a extended practice time with his new team and to kind of learn different sets and learn teammates you saw it last night, like how much more comfortable he looked. Like he was running the offense. He was calling out like different things on the court on both ends. Um, and that's what they need him for. Like, yeah, he's not the athletic Andre Vidal he once was, but he's smart. And when he, when he's able to play without thinking, you know, like he was maybe earlier when he got to the heat of trying to figure out where to be and find his spots. Uh, it's a lot better for him. And you saw, I mean, it's one game, but he just looked to me, and I asked Jimmy about it last night too, like he looked, Andre looked so much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the box score like doesn't even indicate like how well he played. And that's kind of like, you know, again, that's cliche, but that's kind of what Andre Gidala is. Like he's not going to put up monster stats, but he has a lot of little things that help a team. And, and you could just see it everywhere last night. Yeah. And, and one, one thing, one, sorry, one thing I wanted to say to kind of go back, finish that point about the Bucks um, and the matchup against the Heat. I'll say this, like, I know people have made a lot about the Heat beating the Bucks twice, and, yeah, it is impressive. But I think, you know, that's only a two-game sample size. But what I, I, I do think the Heat, some, like, their offense matches up well with Milwaukee because Milwaukee's incredible at protecting the rim, right? Yes. Um, they're so good, like, it's almost, it's almost like a, a huge accomplishment. Like if, if, even if you score like a, a basket around the rim against them with their length, um, but they allow the most three point attempts in the league per game, and the Heat are the best, you know, statistically the best and most efficient three point shooting team in the league. So, I think I do think the Heat do match up well, like just in that regard. Where and they have a guy, you know, that you know. You could throw on Giannis, like Bam. yeah. I mean, Bam is the X factor to it all in that series, if it ever gets here. I mean, he is very possibly the guy in the league best equipped to guard Giannis. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I, that's not hyperbole at all. Like he, it's there's only a handful of guys that that really are like have the body and the athleticism and just the defensive wherewithal to guard him. Um, and you know, I, I think you you if. You'd probably just trust a guy like Kawhi or or LeBron to ultimately like figure it out and guard him in you know the key spots. Um, you know, even if they're not going to do it on a possession by possession basis. But after those like two, I mean, is it Bam? Like Bam? It, I know the Sixers have the kind of same idea with Al Horford that he's going to be that kind of guy. But I don't know. To me, Bam is you know he's a potential all defensive guy, um, a potential all NBA guy, and he is the guy who the Heat are going to have, I would think, on Giannis possession after possession. And there are not a lot of all-NBA guys that I think um, could do that and do that well. 
Yeah, no, I, I, it's well said. I just think I do think the Heat are an interesting matchup for Milwaukee. I'll yeah. leave it at that. Like I don't know if they can beat them in a series. I don't because you know Milwaukee has the best player uh, on the court, and a lot of times in the playoffs, like that's the difference. Um, but I do think what the Heat do well, um, you know, might bother the Bucks. Um, so I, I think it would be an interesting series to watch. Um, and you know, Boston is a very, a very good team, and obviously Toronto is very good, and even Philly like has, has upside. Um, but you could make an argument like maybe aside from Boston, like mm-hmm. I think might be the toughest matchup for Milwaukee could could be could be the Heat just for those reasons. Yeah, I mean the the you know like we said, it's only two games. Who ultimately cares that much about it? But um, yeah. but the fact that they did beat them twice, which is uh, did anyone else do that in the regular season? I, I don't know offhand, no. but I don't, I don't yeah, think they. No, I don't think so. I can't imagine considering they only lost what like eight games or something. Yeah, so with, with Iguodala, to me, I mean, the other takeaway from last night, other than just him kind of just, net, like you said, playing well, doing the stuff that doesn't show up in the box scores, just going two of five from three, like, he's got to be able to do, you know, that's obviously 40%, which is better than you expect of him, but he's got to be a guy who, I don't know, it's like a mid, mid-low mid 30% three-point shooter, like, where, where you've at least got, and he's obviously taken open threes for the most part, but um, especially in that late-game lineup uh, where you've got, Jimmy, who was a non-shooter this year. Bam, who's obviously a non-shooter. Uh, if you're going to stick with, with Crowder, he, I think, was a good three-point shooter, actually, when he when he showed up with the Heat, but is a reputation as a streaky type of guy. Yeah, streaky. Um, you, yeah. need, you need Iguodala to be at least a threat, even if he's not, um, you know, he doesn't need to be a sharpshooter or anything, obviously. But but if you, you go, you know, two for five, two for six, most nights, like that, that's kind of what I think you're hoping for from him, considering he's going to get a lot of open looks from the corner. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's encouraging. You know, like, do we expect, like you said, do you expect him to shoot 40% every game? Um, no. No. But, <laughs> but if he can be in that low 30%, like, he, he's always been good in that, like, in that corner three, you know, and if he can find his spots in this offense where he can get his open looks from that, that, you know, that specific spot, like, I think he, he could be a guy that, can you know maybe have some gravity in offense where, where teams will go out and respect that shot especially if he's hitting you know like you said 33 34 percent of his threes like you have to at least guard him out there um so yeah i think that's one of the keys too like obviously shooting like it takes it takes you have to have your legs and um yeah he was he stayed in shape throughout the whole season but you know basketball shape is different just to be thrown out there after you know what i think it was like nine months or eight months away from from game action, um, you're not going to be, you're not going to be a hundred percent. So I, I think, you know, it's one game, but I think it's one thing to keep an eye on where mm-hmm. can he, can he become that 33, 34% three point shooter that, that he probably need him to be, um, to really rely on him late in games, um, with this extra practice time, with this extra time to kind of get his legs under him. Yeah. And, and just so we don't make it all about the shooting, one of we did mention earlier that the thing we kind of like most about this Heat offense is is the passing. And that is the one thing that that late game lineup, even if you, you know, there's a lot not to like about the offense, particularly the shooting ability of it. Um, that's still, you know, five good playmakers on the court because Iguodala is a good, you know, even if he's not, you know, I, although, like you said, he was playing point guard last night, but he's always been a good passer, a good smart player, a guy who moves the ball, and a guy who can, you know, attack off the dribble a little bit. Crowder, definitely not kind of a traditional, like, ball handler, but but a guy who's always, I think, been good in, like, you know, you run a pick and roll, he gets the ball, and then he makes a good decision off of that pass. 
Um, so, you know, it's, again, five guys who move the ball well, um, even if that is the, the closing lineup. And, and I think that – I'm sure that's part of why Eric Spolstra likes that group. Um, you know, there, there's stuff to like about what they can do on offense, even if the numbers uh, didn't show it at the end of the regular season. Yeah, Andre, I mean, when he's in the game, like, a lot of times he's the point – like, not a point guard, but he's a point forward. Yeah. Um, he's initiating offense, and he's kind of in that uh, Justice Winslow role. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of like he's filling that role, but he can also – not that Justice couldn't shoot, but Andre Iguodala is, I think, a better spot-up shooter. I think that's safe to say. Um, and so he can be used in both ways. Like, he can initiate offense, and he can be – he's comfortable – and good enough to be used off the ball as well. He has experience, obviously, playing in that Golden State system where he wasn't on the ball maybe as much as he was in the past. So, um, yeah, he's versatile. Um, he's obviously a very smart player, and if he can hit his three uh, at a pretty solid rate, like he's going to be playing crunch time minutes. Um, speaking of uh, Bam, he was not out on the court last night. Um he and Kendrick Nunn are arrived in the bubble, though. What was that? Monday, maybe? Um, Tuesday? Something like that. Um, they are in the midst, maybe maybe done with self-isolating by now uh, as we're talking, but um, they'll be back out on the practice court expected to be there uh, Friday, right? Yeah, Friday. Yeah, they should. They should. Uh, the quarantine is like thirty-six to forty-eight hours, and they got there Tuesday. Tuesday, evening. yeah. So if they're not cleared by now, which they might not be, but I would say by mid-afternoon they definitely should be. Uh, if they produce two negative, yeah, tests. assuming they're healthy. Yeah, assuming that everything's everything went as planned, they should be cleared by by you know in a few hours. I would say if they're not already. Um, so yeah, their first practice with the team will be Friday. That's their first practice with the team since March. And the seeding games, I know it's hard to believe, but they start in one week pretty much, yeah. one week from Saturday. So they do not have much time. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they play. I, I, I know Eric didn't rule it out, but I would be kind of surprised if they throw Bam and Kendrick out there on Saturday, um, even for a few minutes. I would just be surprised. Like it's, they're going to have one practice under the belt in, what, almost five months? Um, so I, I don't. You know, I don't. This is just me guessing, but I don't expect them to play Saturday just for that reason. The final scrimmage is Tuesday. Maybe that's more realistic. Even then, I mean, you might have two to three practice under your belt. I guess that's better than one. But I, I, they're not going to play big minutes. I would say that. I don't think they're going to play big minutes in any of these two scrimmages, even if they do get in. Uh, but the hope is they'll be ready August first, even though that's really a week away. So yeah, they they have to hurt, they have to kind of uh, get back up to speed pretty quickly here. Yeah, those two guys though at least were like playing in uh, Miami for part of the time. Like it's not like they they have not played in four months, right? Right, but they've been they've been um, off the court for a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, but but those even those Miami workouts and yeah, you you know who knows if they got in group workouts on the side that we don't know about, but uh, you know on their own on their own not right, keep right. on their own, but but the the workouts in the facility that they were doing for the past two months those were all individual workouts. Yeah. And as every guy has said, like, it's just totally different to be doing full court five on five work. Like that's totally different game. It doesn't matter how much exercise, how much conditioning you do, mm-hmm. like you're just not going to be in that type of shape immediately. So that's the problem. Like, yeah, they have been on the court. They have been working with, you know, in the facility with heat coaches individually, but they have not been, you know, in a group part of a group practice since March. And that's a long time. Yeah. 
All right, anything else before we wrap up here? Uh, we're going to be joined by Tim Reynolds in a little bit. Uh, live from inside the bubble. We're hoping to maybe make this a weekly segment. Um, but you got anything else off the scrimmage last night or anything else that's gone down over the over the last week? Oh, one thing, can we call that uh can we call that segment bubble boy? I know Tim doesn't like bubble that, boy? but he's not yeah. here right now. So Yeah, can I'm we, down. Yeah. Can, can you come up with some imaging or something like that where we can take his like Twitter biopic and like <laughs> superimpose like a glass bubble around him? Yeah, there has to be something we could do with. I, I like the segment. I would like the segment. To Use a picture it. of the, you know, from the Simpsons movie. Right. Of the big glass bubble. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I, I think I think we've got to, like, just label it Bubble Boy, and maybe we can let him know once we have him on. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll take a quick break, and we will be back with that in a little bit. All right, we are back and now joined by Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press, our uh, heat check correspondent inside the NBA's bubble in Lake Buena Vista. Tim, what's going on? We're bubbling. Good morning. How's everything? Pretty good. It's it's bubblicious in here. (laughs) Um, So you, you have freedom. What's freedom like? I have limited freedom. I guess it's, is it like when, you know, when you get out of solid, I mean, I've never been to prison. I don't think you've ever been to prison, but I would assume it's what it's like when you get out of solitary confinement. Um, again, not sure. Um, not completely sure how to, I don't know. I was going to call Nevin Shapiro to ask what it was like, but I, I, I didn't get there. Um. So this is my version of freedom. Yeah. I, I get to walk by my car every day. But I can't actually get in my car or drive it anywhere. <laughs> Literally, I drive, I walk by my car every day to the bus stop that takes us to the arena or whatever practice site we're going to. So I see my car. Um, I would like to drive my car around here, but it's just not allowed. So I guess it's limited freedom. Who has your keys? NBA security. Wow. So even if you wanted to make a run for it, you couldn't? Um, no. You'd have to hotwire it. But you could get out. I mean, look, I can get my keys. I mean, I can, I can check out any time I like and I can leave. I just can't get back in. That's yeah. or, or if you got one back in, I guess you'd have to quarantine, right? Have to quarantine again. Yeah. Like, is it really that important to, you know, is it really that important to go to Outback right now? And the answer to that is, of course, yes, it is. <laughs> but, I mean, ask um, for Sean Holmes, right? Uh, it's I, I, Supposedly, that was lemon pepper wings that did him in. Can't blame him. They better have been really good. Um, so is this the kind of situation where, like, you can just kind of run into play? So when do you get it? You got it Sunday, right? You've been able to walk around for like, a couple of days now. Is this, like, the kind of situation where you can just run into players around no. town? So players players are in their own hotel. Like, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, the, the, some players are in the same resort, but they're in a different area okay. than, than we are. Um, like, my brushes with celebrities have been more with, like, Monty McCutcheon and Zach Zarba, like that, and Scott Foster, like that's who I've seen. Um, you know, we're not hanging out 
um, hanging out at the pickleball court or the cornhole fronton or the amazingly oversized NBA Connect Four game that's outside that I am totally going to steal and bring home because I just, I am. Um, you, you see a lot of reps and a lot of media, but the players aren't in this area per se. You, you, I mean, but when you go to practices. Right, obviously. You see everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you in the same hotel as the uh, refs? I'm in the same hotel as the refs, yes. Gotcha. And all the media is in one hotel. You're all together. Uh, for the, all the group one media. And oh, okay. Like, and stuff like that. Um, a lot of other media that come up will be at a rather ritzy off-site facility. Um, and I um, envy them in a big <laughs> way. I always have a food question. So I'm going to ask you, has the food changed now that you're out? Have you used like Uber Eats or Postmates? Can you use delivery services like that to order food whenever you want? So... Actually, like, as I understand it, Postmates and Uber Eats are not on the approved list. Um, we can now order from some other Disney restaurants and, like, Morton's and stuff like that. Um, basically, the chain that's all owned by Tillman Fertitta. Yes. The We're allowed to order from there. Makes sense. Um I have not done that yet, and the rumor is, this is an unsubstantiated rumor, um, but it was it was Rachel that told us, so I believe her, um, it's a $45 delivery charge. I don't think I've ever needed a wedge salad so badly <laughs> that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay a $45 upcharge just to get it here. Why is that? Is it just because of the logistics? And the of getting there, it's partly that there are some logistical challenges to getting things here. Um, I've had I, I needed a couple of um, like a couple of things that'll help me uh, record um, interviews. Like the setup is just strange. So I wanted mm-hmm. to get like a, a mic for my phone. Stuff I probably should have thought of before I came up. I wanted to get like an external mic for the phone. I wanted to get a selfie stick just to help because it, it's awkward how you got to do it. Um, um, you know, I got portable battery packs. I, I have most of this stuff at home, but of course I didn't think to bring yeah. any of it. Um, so they set up like a warehouse where we can get things mailed to us and then they get delivered from there. Well, so the, my first Amazon order got sent to Davenport, Florida, which is like 110 miles mm-hmm. from here. They were telling us, and I was like, boy, that's weird. And they're like, okay, we're trying to fix that. And then my next Amazon order also got sent to Davenport, Florida. What are the odds? Um, both allegedly were delivered yesterday afternoon. I have no stuff from Amazon here. So we're still working out the bugs in the system, let's just say. And I think it's kind of the same deal on the food. It's um, like we don't know where we can really order from yet. Has it gotten better I don't know. A couple of nights ago, we had seafood paella, which was I thought I thought excellent. Um, last night, they served Indian food before the heat game. And <laughs> I'm just going to say this: it's not the Indian food that we like at the arena. 
It's not the Indian food that the three of us have, have had together at the AAA. Tim, how, how happy would you have been? I know they brought some elements of the AAA last night with the Dos Minutos and the different songs they played and all that. Um, how happy would you have been if you walked into the arena and you saw the two amazing women that serve us Indian food at the arena working the Indian stand? I would have um, dropped to my knees, sobbed for 11 and a half minutes. If also, if, if the... Let me tell you, if I saw the, the coffee cart that we don't get very often at Heat... Oh, uh, yeah. The Bustelo? Bustelo? If, if, if the Bustelo people were here, um, I would just be like, here's my wallet. Pick a card. <laughs> keep it coming. <laughs> go, go, go. Give me 700 shots of this, please. It's been fine. It hasn't been great. But, look, when you're hungry, you're going to eat. And you don't have time to really think about how good or how bad it is because you got to get somewhere else anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Last night I missed I missed dinner last night. So came back to the room around 1130 and ordered room service. And my room service menu has disappeared. Don't ask. So I'm like, is there like a special tonight? And this is the special last night for dinner it was grilled cheese and tomato soup. It was delicious. It was sublime how good it was. A grilled cheese and tomato soup at midnight when you're starving. Oh, amazing. man. Yeah. Amazing. You can't go wrong with that. One, nope. one, more, one more thing from me. You obviously, I mean, we, we talk to the Heat on, well, I talk to the Heat on Zoom pretty much almost every day these days, but you're seeing them in person. You're at practice, you know, for a few minutes. What has the quote-unquote vibe been around the team, you know, as one of the few reporters who, are there and are able to see kind of the behind the scenes and see the guys at practice. The vibe. So when I walked into that first practice that I could see, I was really amazed by the energy. I just was like, it was. Guys were excited. They're having fun. Spo wanted to get out of there. How often does that happen? Spoh wanted to be okay. Yeah. The guys are shooting for another hour and ten minutes because they still have the floor for that long. The music's blaring. Spoh's playing DJ. Guys are yelling at each other. Jimmy's, of course, yelling at guys because he's Jimmy. Even Goron, like the nicest guy in the history of Heat basketball, is talking bleep to guys. Like, like what is happening? And so I, you know... Kind of got Spo off to the side after the Zoom call. We're just catching up. And I'm like, what is going on here? And he goes, it's been like this. You know, they're, yes, is this hard? Yes. Does this suck? Yes, it does. Um, but this is what heat culture is. And I'll say this. I've been to a lot of practices. I haven't seen one as high energy as that one I saw from the Heat. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. It's not like it means, oh my God, the Heat are going to win the title because they had one practice that was really high energy. But they're enjoying each other. They're enjoying being around each other. Um, I think they've embraced the fact that without your families, without your friends, without your cars, without your houses, without your toys, without all that stuff here, um, you really only have one another. And I think they've really embraced that. And it's... And, you know, Spo told me it hasn't really been, like, real clicky. 
it's been mm-hmm. like guys are doing stuff together. Um, he's loving it. He's he's loving that element of this. And you know, look, the the team that wins this thing is going to be a team that can survive the mental challenge. So far, you know, only a couple weeks into this, and no real games yet. Of course, so far the Heat are doing their part, and they they are more than surviving. They're thriving in this. I mean, they are really, really, really in a good place. It seems like they have found how to get to a good place. I think that's a good sign going forward. Yeah, obviously there was a lot of uh, like consternation. I would say the first like week or so, the teams kind of entered into the bubble where people were like, and who knows if the players were ever like that like I don't know angry is not the right word but like you know people were like ooh this does not look ideal but it, it seems like in the last week basically and, and obviously as games have gotten started it, it seems like good vibes all around inside the bubble from the teams uh, is that kind of the sense I, I know you're not just run, like I said you're not running into guys just out and about but but you're obviously at practices you're you're talking to people who are talking to people does, does it kind of feel like everyone's kind of uh Settle into a, a pretty happy space uh, inside the bubble. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think people are in the space where oh, this is awful. Yeah, I mean, we all have those moments, but I don't think there's a team that is like totally underneath that dark cloud. Yeah, like I don't think there's that. I do think there's element. I mean, look, the game got taken away from these guys for four months. Yes, yeah. I mean they get to play the game again. So there is some joy in that, yes. Yeah, no um, matter how pessimistic you are as, like, a, a fan being like, these guys just do it, you know, because they're highly paid. Everyone likes basketball. They're excited to be playing basketball. basketball. You, you play this – I mean, look, these guys are all, for the most part, incredibly wealthy. And, and the guys who aren't incredibly wealthy yet are going to be. So um, they do this because they love doing it. And, look, if you're here – they're going to give that trophy to somebody in two and a half months. May as well be you, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the way that a lot of teams are looking at it. I think the teams that didn't have a chance are saying, now we got a chance. And, you know, the teams that felt like they had a chance, well, of course, they're, I mean, they're here for that reason too. And, and it drives them. It helps. It's, it's, it, look, what, what, what don't we have a lot of in society right now? We don't have a lot of hope. I mean, everybody's just, oh my gosh, testing. Oh my gosh politics this side that side in here october 13th is coming game seven of the nba finals is coming there's going to be something really really good that happens to one of these teams and you're seeing what hope can do i mean this is a small little nation this is a small little world that we've entered into but for one team there's that ultimate hope and you, you miss that right now in the quote-unquote real world. But in here, it's it's very, very evident. Yeah, and it seems like at least some people are taking pride in like the fact it's working. Like Obviously, Doc Rivers got a lot of attention for his quote the other day when, when the word came back that there were no positive tests. So, like, maybe this is what we should just be doing everywhere. Like, you know, it, it's, it's not just a hope in the basketball sense, but it is a reminder that there is a path toward normalcy for all of society at some point. Um, especially if we all do the right things and, uh, you know, be careful around each other and, and, you know, get testing and, you know, there's a path toward normalcy that that they're establishing for us. Um, I'm curious what the arenas were like yesterday. You were, were you at every game yesterday? No, I was only at two of the three arenas. I went to the uh, Magic Clipper game and I went to the Heat game. 
what was it like in the arena? Was it weird? Was it did uh, do you get the sense that NBA that the players were like thought it was weird, struggling to adjust? I know it was just a uh, scrimmage, so obviously it's it's probably going to be even different when the regular season starts, and then even another step, obviously trying to get up for a playoff game in that kind of atmosphere. But just what was it like in the arena last night or yeah, yesterday? There, like like you said, there are some stuff. There's some stuff coming. Like I know everybody saw like you know some of the video elements and what they're doing in the arenas last night, if you were watching the game on TV or streaming it or whatever. Um, there's some stuff coming in the next few days that I've, I've seen. Um, I'm not trying to be coy. I just, you know, you can't say it yet. If they pull it off, it's going to be amazing. Like absolutely amazing. So fans aren't going to get, I mean, yeah, it sucks that fans can't be here, but fans aren't going to be shortchanged. Um, by this i mean fans are going to get a unique experience i think if they pull this off but i think they will um inside the arenas i mean it was a little like at first you're like wow this is kind of gimmicky like you know there's like this pinging arcade sound after baskets in the clipper magic game and i'm like is that like some sort of 2k thing or something um you know they have an announcer they're trying to generate enthusiasm, but there's no mm-hmm. fans there. Like it was, I, mean, I, I rewrote my notebook last night because at the first timeout in the third quarter, the first scheduled timeout in the third quarter of the Heat game, you know, Michael Biamonte is bellowing to stand up. I'm not going to finish it. I can't. I can't do and make some. I can't do it. But he's telling people to stand up and make some noise. There's nobody there. Who are we telling to stand up and make noise in a timeout? Like, who yeah, are why are they doing that? Why are they? I mean, I guess for the players. And... They're doing it to make it feel like you're at home. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and they've thought of every detail. I mean, seriously, like the Heat would have the ball, and you're hearing the that instrumental, you know, you know, Seven Nation Army, you know, just, you know, like 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 Irie or M Dot, you know, is doing it back at home. Um, you sure about the bongos? You sure about the bongos, Tim? You could have been the guy. You know what? Maybe I'll be bongo guy. Maybe maybe I'll just bring it back to myself. Maybe I'll just live stream myself with some sort of bongo snap filter or something in timeout for the people. Um, I mean, it won't it won't be that way for. I don't know if the Heat are at home for their next two. I have no idea who's home and who's away for these scrimmages. But when you're on the road, quote unquote, it won't be that way. But for Heat games, it, it will be, um, and that's. That's kind of cool. And if it makes guys forget for a few seconds at a time that you're not at the AAA and, you know, it does kind of sound like there are fans there. Um, of course, like 12 people made the joke to me yesterday because they put the fans up in the first quarter. And they were like, hey, what's that like for you being at a heat game where the fans are there in the first quarter? And I was like, <laughs> oh, shut up. Uh, we can make fun of our fans, but you can't just stop. Um it was it was neat. There was about like 200 people at the Clipper Magic game when you count the team staffs, the media, the television people who were there to pull it off. Uh, players will be allowed to go to games um, if they want. Like there's like 30 seats available in each arena, maybe a little bit more in a couple of them. Um, if players want to, go, players from other teams want to go, they can. But you know they're sitting alone in like these bar stool kind of chair things. Um, no table, no, no, you're not really around each other. Um, but if players want to go, they can, um, you know, they've created a really, really intimate kind of vibe. I don't fully understand though, why 
my, I mean, I get why he's yelling dos minutos. It's there's two minutes left and you're in play, but telling fans to stand up and make some noise, like, you know, there's nobody there. Yeah. So, yeah. Player intros are kind of weird when there's no one to like. And they even like changed that. Like they told us originally there was going to be no, the starters weren't going to be announced. And, like there's not going to be anthems for the scrimmages and stuff like that. But then yesterday, for some reason, they announced the starters. Yeah. They didn't do a full blown, you know, you know, from North Carolina. Yeah. They didn't do like that, but they still announced them. So they're, they're obviously just working out their own things. Like yesterday, like it was a big deal for the stat crews. They're trying to figure out yeah. how it worked and spacing. There's just, it's, it's preseason for everybody, not just players. It's preseason for every element of what you're seeing here. I heard a Daddy Yankee song through the TV yesterday in the game. Like how I mean, it, it felt, it felt like AAA in some in some moments. Like I was like, wait, that sounds. Like yeah. Do they get to pick like everything? Game. Obviously, they get the Dos Minutos, but do they pick like obviously every arena plays different music and stuff? Do they get to pick all of that stuff? I think they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, I, I I didn't hear Seven Nation Army at the Clipper Magic game. Yeah. But you know, I even heard the, the clap your hands, like the you know the Heat's clap your hands little. You know, uh, thing there they, was that. Like, they, um, the ball. Yeah, I'm. I believe they're Bay. If I, if I remember correctly, there may have been a little, little sea murder at one point during the game. So there might have been some of that. Um, it's they. Um, they're trying. Yeah, they're like trying. during the game, like everybody's tweeting about the Snoop DMX stuff from last night mm-hmm. and. You know, there was no Snoop, but you can you can work Snoop into a Heat game if you wanted. So that stuff will all feel probably. I mean, like you're saying, got, obviously players can be at the games. I'm sure once we get to playoff time, maybe that'll be happening, or even the regular season that might be happening a little more often. You know, like kind of like the way AAU, like you're scouting the team, the game that's right. after you. Um, and then obviously once we get to the conference finals, like families will be there and stuff. So there will be like an audience at some point, like. I'm not sure if families are going to be in games, though. Oh, really? I'm here, but I'm not sure if they're going to. Again, the seating is so limited. Yeah, that's true. And if if the families are going to be in the hotels and they're technically group one, like, I would love to go up and show, like, I would love to go take a picture of where Anthony's going to go sit in group two seating for games. And I'm actually not allowed to go there. Really? Actually, because the people who work in that area are not quarantined the same way you are. Yeah. Quarantine as me. So therefore I would become dirty by going up there. So like, I can't, like, I can't even tell you what the setup is up there. We're just not allowed to go. And not only are we not allowed to go, the NBA staff that's here is not allowed to go up there. Like it's crazy. All right, Tim, uh, you want to get any quick heat thoughts in before we wrap up? I'm just going to say this because let's not get carried away by one scrimmage, but like, Duncan Robinson yeah. still a bucket. Tyler Hero will still be a bucket. I'm not worried about. I'm sure people were going crazy. About I mean, he still he still put up points even though he went over seven from three. It's a scram match. Um, I will say that. Can I, can I tease something that I think we can talk about by the next time we talk? Can I tease something? Go ahead. I have one of the. It's completely silly. I have one of the coolest stories in my 17 years of heat basketball coming out. It involves, it involves,
involves a superhero and a case of mistaken identity. That's a, that's a pretty good tease. Uh, you can follow Tim on Twitter at by Tim Reynolds. He is inside the bubble. Uh, lots of insights from inside the bubble. Uh, so you follow him and he will, uh, hopefully have you back next week, uh, to talk about whatever you have coming out and, uh, to talk about continued life inside the bubble. Wear your masks. That is all. All right. Thanks for coming on, Tim. Thanks, guys.